he's here. Jones! The world's greatest adventurer, Indiana Jones, in his first, biggest, and best adventure. <laughs> it's the movie that sparked a new era of action, thrills, and entertainment to become one of the most popular films of all time. From George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and starring Harrison Ford. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Tuesday at 8 p.m. on Paramount 20 Primetime. Snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes? 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark coming up next on the Couch Potato Podcast. <coughs> Welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, things are going to sound a little different this week. Um, my normal co-host, Lucas, uh, is not joining us. Uh, he just uh, welcomed a baby. So congratulations, Lucas and Tina. So I'm not sure when Lucas will be back, uh, hopefully next week. But if not, uh, we've got some uh, good episodes rounded up. And I've also got some pretty heavy hitters lined up to take his spot. So we're going to be okay. But uh, congratulations once again, Lucas. Um, this week uh, – I brought in a ringer uh, since we're doing uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I've got a person with me who probably has seen this movie and loves it even more than I do, and that's our producer, Adam. Adam, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, what about you, Russ? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, pretty excited to do this today. Uh, I am as well. It's uh, probably in my top five uh, favorite movies of all time. It probably rivals for number one actually so i was just gonna say that uh i this might be a hot take and it may be because i just have watched the raiders and like the indiana jones saga more recently than this but i this might might sound like a hot take but i kind of right now uh, i kind of like these more than the star wars movies (laughs) i mean it's not hard to beat the the newer star wars movies so uh i mean the the newer ones probably take the older ones down a, a tad Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're looking at them separately, uh, like I am, it's still it's still Empire Strikes Back and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's it's, it's right. really hard to decide. <laughs> I would probably say that Raiders and Empire probably, like you said, even. Uh, yeah. I would probably give A New Hope the edge over Temple of Doom. But then I think the gap between Last Crusade and Return of the Jedi, I think Crusade is a much better film than uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh. For sure, yeah. I so, mean, the Ewoks do that movie in a yeah. little bit. And Indiana Jones has James Bond. Right. <laughs> so that right there is a trump card. Um, real quick, uh, for those of you that haven't seen this, which movie's 40 years old next week, it, you've had plenty of opportunity to see this. Um, in 1936, archaeologist Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis. Pretty simple. Good standard plot. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what makes this movie such an iconic classic? I mean, what do you think? Uh, to me, I think that um, just the, the basic premise of it being like one of those old serial um, adventure uh, action movies, you know, uh, it, George Lucas did the same thing with Star Wars, with Flash Gordon and Star Wars. He wanted to make an adventure serial uh, kind of like that. And um, it kind of plays into um, that longing for adventure that everybody has, that mm-hmm. that kind of uh, mysterious, uh, like, 
be a uh, stranger guy going off and fighting the bad guy and you know that sort of thing so mm. yeah i uh, like that too i think uh you hit on a lot of good points i also think that this is what makes action movies so great like an adventure movies especially just it's like a roller coaster it's yeah. like there are so many thrills in this movie and i've seen this movie i just watched this movie last night and the opening sequence still like gives me like fuck is he gonna get out of this yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's hard to do, especially for a movie that's so old. And like, I've seen so many times, like, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna outrace the boulder. He's gonna like jump and the, he grabs a vine. It's gonna Yankee, or it's gonna give a little bit. He's gonna fall down, but he's gonna pull himself up. I'm still like on the edge of my seat. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Is he gonna fall? I mean, some of those movies, uh, you, you automatically think, well, this is the main character. So I know he's gonna survive. This movie, you have that in the back of your mind, but you suspend your disbelief. Mm-hmm. while you're watching it still like to this day every time i watch it it's man that was a really cool scene and you don't know if he's going to escape it just because he gets out in the nick of time mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's really it's like you have these really incredible action sequences and then there's like kind of like it brings you down so you kind of get to know the characters a little bit and they're developing the plot and then like okay here's another action sequence super thrilling okay we got to bring it back down a little bit and to me that's the best action movies it's movies that can do that yeah and it still keeps the pace, even if it, uh, if, even if it is a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Low moments are still good, and it still progresses the plot. So, I mean, it's not one of those movies that has its really high highs, and then you're just sitting there waiting for the next one. Right. And I also think, too, that uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, I have the opinion that I think my favorite movie character of all time is Indiana Jones. Yeah. Because, I mean, I... I I love action movies to begin with. It's probably my favorite genre movie, but I think with them, I think Indiana Jones is the prototype for the, I guess the more contemporary action hero where it's not like he's not made of steel and he's just super brave and strong. Like Indiana Jones is afraid of snakes. Yeah. He usually, when he gets into a fight, he gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen him like win a, a fist fight just on like fist alone. He always has something break his way where he comes like in the, this movie as an example, he's fighting that gigantic Nazi mechanic. He mm-hmm. just happens to Marion has turned the plane on and then the propellers end up getting the guy. He, Indiana yeah. Jones probably there's a good chance he would have gotten killed by that guy, but mm-hmm. shit just broke his way and he survives it. And to me that gives him more of an everyman feel. Like I yeah. can relate more to Indiana Jones than I can Tony Stark and Iron Man. Like right. I'll never be that rich. Hopefully, if somebody wants to buy this show, you can turn me into Tony Stark. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll never be rich. Um, I'll never be John Wick. I'll never be a hitman, or I'll never be a policeman like you know just Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon. But you know, like I can relate to a lot of that stuff. I mean, I have my own fears. I don't always come out on top. And yeah. I think that makes Indiana Jones relatable. And that's why I think he's like probably the greatest movie character of all time. Hot take number two of this show. Um, there are a lot of movie characters that I like, uh, but not a lot of movie characters that I relate to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that a lot of people, um, even like TV personalities that uh, are working for the Discovery Channel right now, uh, they said that Indiana Jones is their inspiration for their job choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are a lot of uh, different uh, uh, 
types of media that have drawn from Indiana Jones as an inspiration, like video games, like Tomb Raider uh, and uh, Uncharted games like that. I've all drawn from this one character. And there's not a lot of movie characters that you can say that about. Uh, I mean, Darth Vader's an awesome movie character, but has he inspired people to pick a job? I don't think so. Well, I don't think there's too many job listings that like, are looking for like a dark lord who's mastered the art of the Sith. You know what? If if there is, I'm gonna try really hard to get that job. Yeah, can you just imagine like a, you're on Indeed looking for a new job, and like you know the, the Empire's got like looking for like uh, Sith Lord, you know must be must be imposing uh, lightsaber expertise a plus. <laughs> Perhaps a questionable past. <laughs> if you've killed children, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, killing children also preferred. Uh, <laughs> no college degree necessary. <laughs> Being a master of the Jedi also not necessary. Well, maybe we'll just do that then. We'll just quit doing the show after this episode. We'll just like create like an episode where we just create fake job listings. That's perfect. Yeah. Like the next one we'll do is uh like must be like the uh the front desk uh like a front desk manager for like the Continental in John Wick. <laughs> or uh uh a cop that's uh a loose cannon that has to uh save a, a tower from terrorists. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> must must uh must have nerves of steel and ample footwear. <laughs> Don't pay attention to the rules of your boss. Right. <laughs> constantly degrade them on national television <laughs> uh opinionated is a plus <laughs> all right well we'll get into the tail of the tape here real quick uh there's a lot uh there's some stuff about this when i was doing the tail of the tape that i was completely unaware of about raiders of the lost ark and you and i were discussing this er earlier uh when i've watched it last night on uh voodoo that they had it as indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark now, mm -hmm. I didn't know that they had changed it to that. I've always called it Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Now, you call it Raiders 2? I call it Raiders 2, and uh, only because I have a disdain for George Lucas going back and changing things in his movies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very good point. George, stop it. We have grown a, we've grown accustomed to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just keep it that way. Um, well, getting back to our tale of the tape here... Uh, Released on June 12th, 1981. So, yeah, it's coming up on 40 years really soon. Actually, by the time this comes out, uh, it'll be like five days away. Um, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, this stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, Ronald Lacey, John Reese davies and Denholm Elliott. Um, the box office in 1981 was $389 million worldwide, which... Um, I got a little curious to see what that would be in today's dollars. Uh, it would be an $810 million haul for Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's impressive. It is. Um, Rotten Tomatoes score 95 from critics and 96 from audiences. Um, nominated for nine Academy Awards. Now, that's the one that I was surprised about. I didn't know it got that many Oscar nominations. Uh, best Picture, Best Director, Best Score, and it won Best Sound, art direction, editing, and visual effects. Now, what won in 1981 for Best Picture? I'm not sure. And I'm also trying to find out who won for... Uh, I'll look that up here in a second. But uh, also selected 
by the U.S. Library of Congress for Preservation in the National Film Registry in 1999. And as we started doing last week, this is currently streaming on Paramount+. Plus. We had a listener last week ask us uh, to start telling everybody where you can stream these movies. And our last episode wasn't streaming anywhere. But this one, you can totally watch all four of these on Paramount+. Plus. I think it's the only place that you can watch them if you have a subscription to some kind of service. Yeah, um, there's a really good app that I use called Just Watch. And yeah, the Indiana Jones movies are just on Paramount. They used to be on Netflix for a while, too. Um, Chariots of Fire won the best picture in 1981. And also won best score, which... That's kind of a cool score, and I always think of like people running. I always hear that song in my head, but it's not as good as this one. No, uh, I would have to agree with you on that. Uh, Raiders is better. Yeah, I mean, great score by Vanellis. I probably totally fucked his name up, or their name up, or her name up. I apologize if you're still around. <laughs> but, yeah, it's not as good as uh, Raiders. Sorry. Uh, well, we'll go into the... William Somerset Research Corner, because there was quite a bit of uh, information that you can sink your teeth into in this one. I just kind of, what I normally do is I cherry pick the best ones for myself and I save everybody else to scraps. <laughs> I'll probably get the scraps. That's okay. Um, this one's not really a fun fact. This is pretty much common knowledge to any fan of movies that uh, Tom Selleck was originally cast as Indiana Jones. Mm. Um George Lucas wanted to cast a fresh face because he didn't want um, Harrison Ford and him to have the Scorsese, Robert De Niro vibe where basically in the 70s and 80s, uh, De Niro was in a ton of Scorsese movies and he didn't want that same thing with him and Harrison Ford. So he wanted Tom Selleck, but Tom Selleck couldn't do it because he was uh, obligated to do Magnum P.I. for CBS and they wouldn't let him out of his contract. So... uh, George Lucas couldn't have his first choice, so they went with Spielberg's first choice, which was Harrison Ford. And uh, the role of Marion was supposed to be Sean Young. Because, yeah, yeah, um, Sean Young and uh, Tom Selleck had a really great screen test. I guess they had, like, off-the-wall, like, just superb chemistry between the two of them. But when Selleck couldn't do it, they cast uh, Karen Allen instead. Um, if you get a chance uh, on YouTube, there is uh, somebody did one of those deep fake videos where they've put Tom Selleck's face on uh, Indiana Jones. You can watch like these iconic scenes uh, with Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. That's pretty cool. He still has the mustache, which I guess when I was doing this, uh, Indiana Jones was going to have a mustache if Tom Selleck played him. I think they made the right decision with Harrison Ford, though. They did. I mean, I like Tom Selleck, and I think he would have been pretty good as Indiana Jones, but like... Man, this is Harrison Ford owns this. This is like he's just kind of the right amount of uh, charming and gruff, which mm-hmm. to like Indiana Jones's greatest qualities. Right. It's like a, a, a more morally upstanding Han Solo, if you will. It's uh, it's kind of the role he was born to play. <laughs> he mm-hmm. fits it so perfectly. Right. Um, also, Danny DeVito was cast as Sala. But he also couldn't do it because of a TV show obligation. He was doing Taxi at the time, and he couldn't get out of that to do this. I also think they made the right decision on that, uh, just because I couldn't see Danny DeVito pulling off that role, <laughs> to be honest. Well, he ends up doing that a few years later. He was in Romancing the Stone, essentially playing yeah, kind of a similar character. I mean, 
uh, the I forget who he plays in those movies, but he's kind of a a scumbag, whereas yeah. Sala's more of an upstanding friend to Indiana Jones. Um, during filming in Tunisia, most of the cast and crew got sick, except for Steven Spielberg, who brought tons of SpaghettiOs, and he ate those while he was in Tunisia, so he avoided getting sick like everybody else. I thought that was yeah, kind of funny. Was, that was part of mine. Uh, I uh, I saw that as well, so I put that as one of mine, but um, I also uh, remember uh, from the special features of the DVD, which I watch like a nerd, like I should, uh, that... Uh, John uh, Reese davies had um, filled his pants uh, during a scene when he was going to get shot by the Nazis, and they had to cut it out of the movie because he had uh, soiled himself. I read that too, and I almost thought about putting it on there, but I've also got a, a, another tidbit about everybody being sick, so I excluded that one for this one. But that's still like pretty funny, though. It's yeah. I wonder how many times in movies that happens where like just. Everybody gets fucking sick. I mean, pre-COVID. There's been many yeah, times yeah. where movies have gotten shut down now, but that's poor Sala. Um, <laughs> well, the infamous scene where the uh, guy in Cairo is wielding the sword. He's doing yeah. all like that fanatical sword stuff and like trying to show off his sword-wielding skills, and then Harrison Ford just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Yeah. That was ad-lib because Harrison Ford was sick. Right. That's probably one of my favorite ad-lib scenes in the, in the movie. There's a couple of them, but that's probably the one that takes the cake. Uh, that's, that scene's, that's like probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. We'll get to favorite scene later, but I love that yeah. sequence, though, because he just, that's like, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. And it just, he's just like, <laughs> fuck it, and just shoots him. <laughs> um, the last one that I have is this film was supposed to be rated R due to Bellick's head exploding, but they had to add uh, layers of fire around his face to get a PG rating, which, as we went over earlier in our Gremlins episode, uh, they didn't introduce the PG-13 rating until late 1984. So, yeah, that scene is fucking morbid, even in today's standards. Like, And the fact that movie's PG with that, <laughs> it just blows my fucking mind. Careful, kids. People's heads explode. I was watching the rest of it this morning and I was scared to death because my daughter was up and she's only two. And I was afraid that she was going to see their faces melting and just have a fucking meltdown because she was scared to death. But <laughs> nope, she was watching uh, Coco Melon on an iPad instead. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, do you have any uh, extra facts besides uh, actors and actresses shitting their pants on set? I do. <laughs> um, uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, Star Wars characters that make an appearance in this movie. Uh, if no one is aware, uh, when um, I believe it's in the Well of Souls sequence, uh, when they're in there, uh, if you look on the uh, back wall with the Egyptian hieroglyphics, you can spot C-3PO and R2-D2 in the hieroglyphics on the wall. Really? I didn't know that. Yes. And they also appear right behind the uh, Ark of the Covenant uh, in a second scene. So. Oh, wow. See, I didn't know that. <laughs> and uh, another one was, uh, let's see here. I have my notes here. Um, uh, the, uh, a lot of the sound effects for the fights, um, basically what the Foley artists did was they took a whole bunch of leather coats and they decided to hit them with baseball bats at varying velocities. So it sounded different at each time. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the sound direction and the, uh, the lighting on this movie are amazing. And I think that was really cool. I think that's one of my favorite things about this movie is the, uh, basically the cinematography of the movie is just spot on. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, another one was uh, when uh, Indy falls into uh, the Well of Souls uh, in the Infinite Snake scene. Uh, snakes, why does it have to be snakes? Um, they had a King Cobra on set uh, to be extra scary, I guess. Um, and uh, they were all on high alert as soon as the Cobra was on the set just because it's so dangerous. They had anti-venom there. They even put a uh, sheet of plexiglass in between Harrison and the snake when he falls uh, so he wouldn't get hurt. Um, but when he falls, you can actually see the snake spit venom at him. And the venom actually hits the plexiglass. And when the lightning effect hits, you can actually see the venom uh, splotched on the glass in between them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now I have to go back and watch it just to see that. See, folks, this is why I brought Adam on as a ringer, because like I would have never given you guys that kind of information. Now you can tell that at parties when you're sitting around with your friends, like, hey, do you know that scene in Indiana Jones where he falls into the well of souls? Fucking snake spits venom at him. <laughs> wow, that's a great fun fact. <laughs> tell that your next barbecue, gang. Fun yeah, those are really cool. I forgot, like, I remember there was an old uh, PBS documentary basically about the making of this, and I think I remember watching it, and they made mention to the Star Wars Easter eggs, but I never really paid attention to it when I watched the movie. Right. So that's actually really cool. Um, the uh, I Drink Your Milkshake Award, and I think going forward, maybe we should put, like, that him saying that so <laughs> kind of, for added effect. Okay. Um, I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. The award for best scene of the movie. And uh, this was fucking tough. Narrowing this down to five. I mean, I have my favorite, but it's still pretty tough to narrow five down because there's so many. And I think I end up grouping like two or three sequences together as one. So I cheated a little bit. That's fair. With this movie, we're going to allow it. Uh, I put the opening sequence from the time you meet Indiana Jones until he gets on the plane with Jock and they're flying away. That whole sequence is phenomenal. It's probably one of the yeah. best, it, I would say the best opening sequence in movie history, or one of them. Uh, you get the iconic Indiana Jones getting chased by the boulder. Um, get the uh, the very first film role of Alfred Molina. That That is another good point there too. Yeah, he's the... Uh, the slimy uh, member of his crew that ends up leaving him for dead when uh, Indy sets off the, the booby traps. Um, yeah, you get to meet Bellick for the first time too, who's a, kind of a charismatic villain. I don't hate him as much as I should because they make a point later on. It's like, yeah, they kind of are very similar. Um, a, a point on Bellick too is um, when the actor interviewed for the job uh, and auditioned, they asked him if he could do a French accent. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I can do a French accent, even though he had never tried. And he ended up landing the role. Good for you, Paul Freeman. You go, boy. <laughs> and uh, this also uh, leads to a discovery that you find later on in the movie, and it's kind of a trope throughout the rest of the, the film series, that Indiana Jones is petrified of snakes. Because Jock has that, was that a python? Yes. Okay, I'm not a... a I'm not well versed on uh, snakes and amphibians, so I was assuming it was a python, but I wanted to be sure. That's another reason why we got Adam on the show. He clears up all my mistakes. <laughs> um, the second one is uh, 
the introduction to Marion at the bar. I think that's a really good sequence. And we yeah. also get uh, introduced to Tote. Is, it, is that his name? Yeah, I think that's his name. I have i don't think they ever really pronounce his name in the movie, or if they do, I don't catch it. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know why this always stands out with me, but when he grabs the medallion after it's super hot, he just screams like Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 I was like, when he grabs it, like, no shit, it's going to be that fucking hot. <laughs> but um, I really like this scene because it kind of gives you a glimpse of who Marion is. And she's not really your typical damsel in distress. Like, at least up to that point, usually like the female lead is sim- somebody who's somebody for the hero to save, you know, like they're usually very attractive, but they don't really offer much outside of that. But I mean, Marion is pretty much three sheets to the wind in this. She's drunk and really her only motivation is she wants to be partners with Indiana Jones to get the covenant. So, and uh, you kind of see like uh, pieces of that character later on in like basically any other movie that features a female heroine, which I think is kind of cool. Um, the third scene I nominated was the the whole sequence in Cairo where they're getting chased by the Nazis. You get the whole, uh, we just touched on earlier, the famous don't bring a knife to a gunfight sequence. Perfect. Um, then like that monkey. I don't know why. Like I, when I was a kid, I seen, I was like, I kind of want a monkey as a pet. And then like that sequence is all also the reason why I will never eat a date. Because I just look at them as like, if they're shiny, like, oh, they've got poison on them. They killed that monkey in Indiana Jones. That monkey was a Nazi. He did the Nazi salute. He deserved that. So Yeah, he did. That monkey's still charming, though. Like, I kind of want that monkey. <laughs> um, then I uh, this sequence, I lumped a bunch of sequences, scenes together for this. Um, the Well of Souls escape, the fist fight at the airfield, and the uh, Indy chasing the, uh, the Ark on horseback. That's just... Yeah. That's an incredible sequence, like just one scene after another. And it's really like we described earlier, this being like a roller coaster. It's like this is kind of like that sequence where you get like the smaller bump. Then you get like the bump that's bigger than the last one. Then you get the like the huge rush where he's chasing after them on horseback. Right. Um, I did notice something, though, that the Nazi that he's fighting in the truck, I thought for the longest time that was Paul Hogan from Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it looks, that guy looks exactly like Crocodile Dundee, but I looked it up and it's not. Indiana Jones has beat the crap out of Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, like that'd be one of those movies now that'd be like, since they're both under the Paramount umbrella, like you would have had like Indiana Jones versus uh, Crocodile Dundee. This would have been Paramount's version of Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> the Indiana Jones cinematic universe. Yep. It'd have been Crocodile Dundee, then he would have went on to, uh, I don't know, like fight Ethan Hunt. <laughs> Um, a little fun fact about the, the 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 sequence, especially the fist fight at the airfield. Uh, that guy, uh, is Pat Roach, a former pro wrestler, and he's been in every Indiana Jones movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. He's just been like, kind of like, I guess he's Steven Spielberg's go-to for like a big ogre is the description <laughs> I read. But, um, he, uh, his sequence, he is like one of the guys in the, um, uh, in the mine, the caves in uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. Um, his sequence got cut out in uh, Last Crusade, and then he plays like a Nazi and, uh, or not a Nazi, but a Russian in uh, the Kingdom yeah. of the Crystal Skull, which we, we don't acknowledge on this show as a movie. But yeah. 
uh, yeah, he, he also was uh, considered at one point to play Darth Vader, like inside the suit. Huh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg putting him on retainer. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck <laughs> it. Like, hey, man, every time those guys got a movie, I've got a paycheck coming. So be glad to do it. <laughs> And then the last uh, scene that I have is the uh, the finale where they they take the the arc and they open it up and then that f- fucking gruesome death sequence to everybody where their faces melt off and then like Bellic's head explodes. <laughs> Still, like I, I stand by it. Like that's a fucking gruesome sequence for a PG movie. You'll never see that in a Disney movie now. Uh, another fun fact about that scene too, uh, even though we're out of the research corner, um, oh, fuck it. is it's uh, Indiana Jones. We'll do whatever we want today. All right. <laughs> uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, and, uh, a couple of the, uh, producers and writers noticed that, um, nobody had mentioned, um, the Nazis hate for the Jews and throughout the entire movie, uh, whether or not it was intentional by Lawrence Kasser or not, I don't know, but, um, they decided to put in the line, uh, I don't. Uh, this Jewish ritual, I don't feel comfortable doing it or something of that effect just to put in that uh, hatred towards the Jews there at the end. Yeah. Just a, a little extra punch, which I, when you said that, I just noticed that we discussed Nazis last week or last episode and glorious bastards. Now we're doing it again. So, you know, recurring theme a, here on our show is we like seeing Nazis get the shit kicked out of them. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Um, do you have any other scenes you want to add to this before we award this? Um, let's see here. Uh, you actually touched on literally all the scenes that I did. Um, it's so tough though, man. It is. Uh, I even like this. Uh, you, I think you lumped it in with the, uh, the Egypt, uh, uh, fight scene. Um, but, uh, no, actually it, it goes before that. But when, um, Indy has, uh, a hold of that Nazi and he's holding him up to the, uh, the fan i don't know about you but that always has given me a morbid fear of metal fans mm-hmm. like i i cannot be around a metal fan now because of that this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you're i'm a metal um, fan you hang out with me all the time do i scare you now <laughs> touche hey, I, I see what you did there yep <laughs> uh but all of the scenes that you have said uh are my favorite uh i, I think i split them up a little bit more than you did uh, I don't think I mentioned the beginning sequence, but that is also uh, honor- honorable mention for me, especially because um, they took a lot of care to to make that cool, like especially with like the tarantulism out for Melina's back. And uh, they actually had to try and make them move with a, uh, a female tarantula mm-hmm. because they went and they looked fake. Um, they even scouted out a mountain that looked like the Paramount Mountain so that they could fade into it, which I think is a really nice touch. Uh, Which they seem to do that. They, they've done that in every Indiana Jones movie since then. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really cool trope. I, I really like it. Uh, I, I hope they do it for this next Indiana Jones movie, but I'm not even going to mention that right now because I don't want to get hyped for it for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. Disappointment's a motherfucker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think my favorite scene has to be the ending sequence uh, just because it's the climax. It's the, uh, it's, the the visual effects on it, I mean, they're dated now, but they're still really cool because um, aside from what they uh, they composited it in, like the Angel of Death and everything, all of the effects in that scene are captured in camera. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool about the movie is uh, like all of the effects that are captured in camera rather than like, you know, it was the 
it was the eighties. It wasn't like, you know, uh, there wasn't a whole bunch of CGI going on. Right. And I think that that's part of the, uh, the charm of the, I guess that's a bad word to put, uh, not charm, uh, awesomeness of the uh, last sequence there. Um, the angel of death and the faces melting probably is the most iconic scene in that movie. Um, even more than the boulder sequence. I mean, that's uh, featured on everything. I mean, like whenever they show I mean, like the, the best of Hollywood, it's always Indy getting chased by the boulder. It's really hard toss up too, because anytime anyone mentions Indiana Jones, it's either one of the two sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, I can't pick a favorite. I'm going to leave it to you to pick a favorite because this movie is honestly like from start to finish is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that's why it was so tough picking out one. I'm going to say the opening sequence just because it's such a thrill ride. It's seriously like a watching a roller coaster in action. Like I've, I've keep describing this as a roller coaster, but that's really how it feels. It just so much cool stuff. Um, just, yeah, the, the boulder chase sequence, like whenever I think of Indiana Jones, I always think of that sequence. Mm-hmm. And even like where he's taking the bag of sand and he's trying to like almost judge it to where like he takes the the idol and like the bag yeah. of sand at the same time, that whole sequence, it really introduced me to like the world of uh, like booby traps. Yeah. Yeah. And even when I played Uncharted, like I always like when you had to figure out like what to do is like what would Indiana Jones do? And yeah. I always reflected back to that sequence. And it just, it's whenever I think of the whole series, it's usually that scene that it's the one I always go back to the f- first. So I'm going to give it to that one. Okay. I would, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I, I like the scene that I picked, but uh, like I said, no, I can't, like, I can't it's, it's really tough, man. Like the, like the, the fight scene or like when he's chasing after the arc, that would probably be number two because uh, we'll get into this in a little bit, but, like John Williams score, like when you get the Raiders March, it's just like, fuck, I gave me goosebumps. Cause I, I was telling you, like I had to start part of it last night and I finished the rest of it this morning. And like, I started right at that sequence and it just like mm-hmm. the hair on my arm started raising up. I'm like, fuck man, this just made it even more tougher to pick, but I'm going to go with the opening sequence for that reason. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, on another note, um, I'm not, you know, getting paid by Walt Disney World or anything, but if anybody has a chance, definitely visit uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios and go see um, the Indiana Jones stunt show whenever it opens back up because of COVID. But well, um, definitely we went, one of my favorite things there. When we went back in April, uh, they closed it because they're revamping it. Okay. All right. It, it, it's coming back from what I was told, but they've added new stuff to it. Okay. Usually what they did uh, was uh, they would start out with um, uh, the opening sequence and the uh, rolling boulder. And they actually have all of this like set up on the stage there. And they have actual, you know, pyrotechnics and there's actual flames and the people are all uh, trained stuntmen. So it's actually a really cool show to go to for sure. Uh, One more quick point about the opening sequence before we go on to the next category. Why didn't we get any more uh, jock in these movies. Like I fucking love that character for as like as little screen time as he has. And you only see him in yeah. that movie. Like yeah. he could have easily been in a uh, temple of doom. Right. I mean, he could have easily been in the last crusade as well. Yeah. Maybe he could even save kingdom of the crystal skull. 
I mean, we got a really cool blimp scene in uh, in Last Crusade, but they yeah. could have called Josh. Yeah, yeah, like for part five, bring him back. I don't know if the actors passed on, but yeah, bring him back. Which uh, funny little tidbit about that? Apparently, he is not uh, his outfit in that movie is like not uh, time specific. Oh like yeah, he's wearing contemporary attire, and this is supposed to take place in like the forties. Yeah, it's the same way with uh, the map sequences where they're showing where he's flying. Is um, there's a lot of countries that are named their modern names rather than the names they had in 1936. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what though, man? They had to save the rest of that money for like adding the flames to Paul Freeman's face when his fucking head explodes. <laughs> a PG movie, right? All right. Um, now we'll go on to the King Kong and Got Shit on Me award for the best line of the movie. So. Um, I've got my five here. Um, you want to talk to God? Let's go together. I've got nothing better to do. When Indy thinks that Marion's dead and he's drinking and then he ends up meeting with Bellick. Um, this line always makes me laugh. Is uh, In the airplane, after Indiana Jones escapes, all the shit that happens in the opening of the movie, when Jock says, come on, show a little backbone, will you? When he discovers the <laughs> snake in the, the plane. Like, he yeah. just went through all that and... Um, let's see. I've got, uh, Marion saying, you can't do this to me. I'm an American. <laughs> this cracks me up. Um, I actually think this is a really good line. Um, it doesn't make me laugh. But I just think it's a really good line and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, look at this. It's worthless. $10 from a vendor in the street, but I take it buried in the sand for a thousand years and it becomes priceless. Like the ark that was from Bellic. I thought that was a really good line. Um, and then I, I, uh, this basically is my, uh, life's motto at this point. Um, it's not the age, it's the mileage. From Indiana Jones. <laughs> That's another good one. Um, do you have anything you want to add before we award the winner? Oh, sure. Um, so I don't think you have, uh, any of mine, which is good. It's a, it's a first. Great. <laughs> so, uh, my first one is, uh, always the one that everybody goes to. Uh, it's, I think one of the most famous lines in the movie. Asps, very dangerous. You go first. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think everybody remembers that. And of course, uh, what Indy says uh, after he sees all the snakes is snakes. Why do they have to be snakes? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another good one, uh, of course, from uh, uh, John Reese Davies is uh, bad dates. <laughs> after the monkey eats the uh, date and dies, mm-hmm. grabs it from Indy. Uh, I think that's a really cool scene. Um, and then another one that I liked, that's not really like a famous line, but it just, the guy gives me the chills is, um, uh, when he comes in to, uh, question Marion and, uh, he pulls out the thing that ends up being a coat hanger. And, uh, he says, you Americans are all the same overdressing for the wrong occasion. Mm -hmm. Now, what shall we talk about? Yeah. I thought that was a really (laughs) good line too. And I really wanted to give him a line, but I just can't shake him screaming like Homer in that bar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think he's a really cool villain otherwise like he, he is uh, he's creepy i like that. he's very creepy and i guess apparently he shaves his head to give himself that bald pattern but then like when they're in um uh, i think they're getting ready to leave you see him like take his hat off and wipe his head you can see like the five o'clock shadows forming on his yeah. head <laughs> um, um real quick though like i I swore that they uh, they use the phrase that belongs in the museum in this, but apparently they don't. At least not that I I caught. 
I don't think so. I think the first instance of that is in the third one. Yeah, that's sure. what I thought too. But I always thought that was like kind of another recurring theme through these is they he always says that at some point, but I listened and never heard it. So, right. Um, for me, I'm going to give it to it's not the age, it's the mileage, simply because like I empathize with that at this point. Like, <laughs> like right also, now, my back is killing me. So, <laughs> and I'm only as well. That was an ad lib one. Yeah, and I'm only 42, so it's like, yeah, like there's a lot of mileage on this body already. So I, I kind of like, that's kind of like my mo- life's motto at this point. But I'm, so I'm going to give it to that. But there's so many okay. good ones in here. But uh, what would you give this award to? Honestly, just because it's uh, it's iconic from this movie, it, I would choose Asps Very Dangerous, You Go First. Because, honestly, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a good line. It's the line that I wait for uh, when I start up the movie. I think that's probably my favorite. We will give it to that one. Because, yeah, like you said, that is more iconic. And like my, my pick is more of a personal reason. So yeah, we'll give it to that one. That's a really good one to go with. Um, okay. We usually at this point, we give the Lou Brown, give him the heater award to a bit performer who we think brings the most heat. Somebody that like, isn't featured in the movie that much, but like his performance stands out. Uh, I'm flipping it up a little bit because quite frankly, it's my show. And since Lucas isn't here, it's kind of like you have a substitute teacher. You kind of do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give the Lou Brown Give Him the Heater Award to John Williams and his score. Because I think you need to talk about John Williams a little bit in this episode. And I don't want to get shit on in emails later on about, like, how could you not talk about John Williams, you piece of shit? So <laughs> I want to give it to him. Uh, Adam, since uh, you are uh, movie scores or your wheelhouse, I'll let you kind of go into John Williams a little bit, and I'll just chime in with I'll, – I'll pepper your comments a little bit. Okay. Um, well, first of all, uh, I am – this is definitely my pick as well. Um, John Williams is a genius. Um, and, you know, I say that with a little bias just because I like all the movies that he does. But, uh, I mean, you can't pick a composer – that has any more iconic themes associated with him. He has Star Wars, he has Jaws, he has Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter. I mean, uh, even Home Alone. Like, he has uh, such a wide uh, discography or uh, uh, just a, a whole portfolio of themes that are associated with him that are so famous um, and every time Steven Spielberg walks up to uh, receive an award at the Academy Awards, it's always either E.T. or Jurassic Park or something like that playing for him. Mm. And um, I mean, the pick for this movie is uh, is perfect just because the music in this movie is as much of a character as anybody in the movie. And I think that um, whenever anybody hears the music from this movie, they are instantly transported to that place in the movie. They remember it. And um I think that's one of uh, John Williams' best uh, abilities uh, as a composer is that's that's what he does, is he transports people into the movie with the characters. Right. I, I think that, like, his movie scores, like, really, when you think about the iconic scores in film history, like, I mean, he's easily got, like, seven of the top ten. Yeah. 
And I think that he's like the only conductor that like the average movie fan will know. Like, oh yeah, right. that's John Williams. I know who that is. Um, for me, I pick John Williams simply because like whenever I think of an action movie hero, like the Indiana Jones theme song comes to mind. Or even if you're like you're a dad, I'm a dad, and you do something that's kind of uh, like you come and save the day. Like I don't know about right. you, but I always kind of have like, okay, my son's got to be at his baseball game in 20 minutes. He forgot his cleats. I live 10 minutes away. Time for me to be the hero. And I don't know why I always have the Indiana Jones theme song playing in my head as I'm trying to get this done. Yeah, you got to get ready. You got to you gotta grab your fedora uh, before the door shuts on your hand. Yep. <laughs> but I, I think when you think of like a movie hero – I mean, it doesn't have to be an action movie. I mean, there's plenty of movie heroes that are outside the action realm, but like that score is so associated with the movie hero, the action movie hero mm-hmm. that like, I think you have to give him this award. He's right. not, he doesn't act one single bit in this movie, but he's probably the second biggest character in this movie besides Harrison Ford. Yeah. And a uh, uh, cool fact about the, uh, the Raiders March, which is probably the most iconic piece that he has created for this movie or, even in his uh in his whole uh library of uh of uh music is that um he created two different themes for steven spielberg to listen to and uh steven spielberg liked both of them so much he's like well just put them both together so that whole da 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 is one theme and then the whole lower da 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 is another theme and they mm-hmm. decided to put them together and it it just works it i don't know how he does it but whatever uh the director throws at him like even george lucas when he's doing uh star wars music george lucas explains something to him probably terribly because it's george lucas but he comes up with art and it's it's perfect the mm-hmm. first time around yeah it just i don't know man it's just like when you you think about like all the most conductors would have kill to have like one iconic movie score and the fact that he's got like he's got more iconic movie scores and fingers. This just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Jaws, for example, you hear two notes. Mm-hmm. It's not even the whole song. You hear two notes. You're, you immediately know, Oh no, a shark's coming. <laughs> right. Um, like, I wonder how much money, like that dude has made off of ringtones just between the Jaws theme, <laughs> the, the Imperial March from star Wars. And then the, the Raiders March, just those three alone. Right. Like that guy's got to be rolled like just from residuals from ringtones. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's getting up there in age too. And I'm, I'm going to be really sad when he's gone just because like, there's nobody to replace him. There isn't, I mean, Hans Zimmer's really great. And, uh, there's a Patrick Doyle's okay, but there's nobody to replace him. No, I, I agree. There's nobody. And like, well now, like, everybody's going to like, they don't do movie scores like that anymore. It seems like it's like now they're inside of like uh, an office putting shit together on a laptop. Whereas like, he's got a fucking orchestra. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he's conducting. It's just like, man, he's got one of the, like with this one too, like this is like one of the few movie scores that when I hear it, like I get goosebumps. Like, I think I was telling you, well, yeah, I explained earlier, like the the whole sequence where I got goosebumps when Indy starts chasing after the the arc on the truck, right? And even the sequence when he's on the boat 
and uh, the Nazis have captured Marion and the Ark, and they've taken it back to that submarine. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the crew of that ship is looking for Indiana Jones. They don't know where he's at. And then he pops up out of the water, and he runs across the deck of the submarine, and, like, he waves, like, yeah, I'm here, I'm all right. And then the, the crew just cheers. And you yeah. hear the Indiana Jones. I, I, I'm getting goosebumps right now describing that. I just No score does that. No right. conductor's ever done that. Right. And it's it's going to be sad when we don't get that anymore. And I think that's, uh, I know this isn't a star Wars episode, but I think it's really cool, uh, to see, um, just how movies have changed over the years where like, um, back in, uh, the seventies when star Wars came out, uh, they didn't use orchestras a lot either, uh, because people would rather see more contemporary music in the, in the movie. And, uh, George Lucas decided, Hey, I I want Don Williams to do an orchestra score for this movie. Mm-hmm. And it worked, and everybody's like, "Wow, a classic orchestra score makes this movie really, really good." Like that's one of the things is like, when they did the first cut of Star Wars, um, they didn't uh, the people watching it didn't really understand it a whole lot. And then when the score was added, it added that extra layer, and they're like, "Oh, I get it now," you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it adds that extra uh, emotion to the scenes that don't aren't normally there. Right. So I think he's really good at that. All right, so uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, Lucas and I have discussed like sending like an award, like a paper award, like the gold star to like the winner of the Lou Brown Gim the Heater or the Who Wins This Movie. So I think uh, we might have to mail out two awards this week. John Williams will get one, and then the winner of the movie will get one too. Okay. Yep. I need to find like a real shitty version of that, like just the gold star on a piece of paper so I can get those made out and send them out. Like, who even the fuck if, is this? Even if that's our only interaction with John Williams, if he interacts with us at all, it's a, our lives have been made. But this podcast has been worth it. I, <laughs> I have one of two outcomes I, I, I picture for that. One, he'll send us a very gracious like letter saying, like, oh, well, thank you for bestowing this award upon me. Or I could see it going the complete opposite direction. Like, don't send me this shit again. <laughs> Either one would be welcome. I would frame, yeah, I would frame either one of them. <laughs> All right. Speaking of who wins this movie, um, the last award we have on the uh, the show today is who wins the movie. Um, quite a few people that we can uh, nominate for this. Um, Adam, uh, since you were the guest today, do you have a list of nominees you want to put forward? I don't have a list. Uh, I have. Um, well, I mean. Of course, John Williams has been picked for the bit actor. I can't really pick him. Uh, but um, even though he's not an actor, I guess uh, we changed it up this week. Um, Indiana Jones. And I know that's not like, you know, uh, a stretch or anything like that. But I mean, Harrison Ford uh, is the soul of the movie. I think if they went with Tom Selleck, it would have been a good movie, but it wouldn't have been as good. Mm. Um he lends himself to Indiana Jones. He's the perfect puzzle piece to fit into the Indiana Jones puzzle. And I think if they went with Tom Selleck, they would have been mashing that piece in there trying to make it fit. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, his his wit and his sarcasm and his gruffness, uh, his everyman kind of vibe that he gives off like we were talking about before, that makes the movie what it is. And even if, uh, you know, it's got like supernatural elements, it's got beating up Nazis, it's got all these highs and lows. 
if it weren't for Harrison Ford, the movie wouldn't be Indiana Jones. Like, I mean, I know if Indiana Jones weren't there, it wouldn't be Indiana Jones, but you could do the movie without Indiana Jones and it'd still be a cool action movie. It's just, it doesn't have that character and that right. character is the soul. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Um, I uh, struggled with this for a little bit. Um, I thought about Steven Spielberg, Spielberg because um, he was kind of like the next big thing in Hollywood. He had done Close Encounters and Jaws before that, and then he kind of crashed back to earth with 1941. So uh, from what I was reading, like they were kind of looking at him as a flash in a pan. Yeah. And I guess they even had a little bit of trouble getting this movie financed mm -hmm. because of him. Uh, but I thought about him because this is like a huge comeback and like cemented him as like, all right, this is going to be the director of our generation. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to this day, like I can't, I don't think there's any more of an iconic director than Steven Spielberg. I think when you have the Mount Rushmore of directors, I think the first name is Spielberg. Yeah. I thought about him. Uh, I thought about John Williams just because like, this is like kind of like in that stretch of iconic scores that he had done. And we didn't even mention close encounters. He did that one too. Yeah. That's another really, uh, really popular theme. Um, I thought about uh, Karen Allen. I thought Karen Allen's great in this movie and she really is the perfect uh, balance with Harrison Ford. Like I thought she's really good in it, Yeah. but um, at the end of the day, I have to give it to Harrison Ford too. Um, just because, like I said, like he kind of created that, uh, the hero that's not like invincible. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's probably instances of action heroes that have gotten like beat up and like, they don't always win the day, but like to me, like I think Indiana Jones is like the start of like the hero that you see in movies now. Like mm -hmm. I even see a lot of, uh, Indiana Jones and John McClane and Die Hard, like, yeah. Like that, when I watched that, like, I was like, fuck, this is just like Indiana Jones. Like, he's like beat the hell. Like, how is he, how is he still alive? Mm -hmm. And you just see that going forward throughout movies. And then even Harrison Ford, this is like in the middle of that run where he just created like his three most iconic movie characters were uh, Han Solo in 77, then he did Indiana Jones. And then the following year, he did uh, Rick Deckard in Blade Runner. Yeah. And I think in terms of like, the movie star, like no one's ever going to confuse Harrison Ford with like Anthony Hopkins is like this great Shakespearean actor. Who's going to be like doing all these prestige roles. But when you think of like who a movie star is like Harrison Ford's gotta be like after John Wayne and like Clark Gable before him and Humphrey Bogart. Like I think the, 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 the movie star of the eighties was Harrison Ford. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's the man's man, mm -hmm. you know, that's him. Yeah. And even like Indiana Jones, like when I was reading, like just with this, like Tom Selleck was supposed to be Indiana Jones. Uh, he wasn't the first choice to play Han Solo. And then when you look at his career down the road, like he wasn't supposed to be Jack Ryan in the Tom Clancy movies. He wasn't supposed to be Richard Kimball in The Fugitive. It's just like he keeps stumbling into these roles that are not meant for him, and then he ends up making them work. Yeah, and not only making them work, making them the best roles of his career mm -hmm. or the best characters uh, of cinema. Yeah. Yeah, so I have to give it to him, too. Like, just, I can't, like you said, you can't see anybody else but Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Right. 
And like I said, you can take Indiana Jones out of the movie. The Nazis probably still die. I think they had this conversation on the Big Bang Theory. I don't really watch it all that much, but I've heard like you know about it. Or you can take Indiana Jones out of the entire movie, and it would still play out as normal. The Nazis would still die, but you can't have as good of a movie. There's no way that it's going to be an awesome movie without Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And he's such a good character. And of course, uh, like I said, not much would change if you took him out, but like the characters in the movie are what make the movie, not right. the plot itself. All right. So there you have it. Harrison Ford, you'll be getting a star or the winner of the movie award too. I think this might be his second one. I think we were going to give it to him for the fugitive too. So I have to get extra copies made for him. I have to go back and listen to that episode again. Um, well, that's going to wrap up uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I know we usually give you a preview or tell you what we're going to do for the next episode, which we got good news for you guys. Uh, this is going to be the first of the weekly episode format now, so we're going to start giving you episodes every Monday now. So that's pretty cool if you like listening to us. Yeah, Adam is super excited too. Uh, we just put more on his plate. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but we usually tell you what we're going to do for next week's episode uh, with Lucas being uh, – we don't know what Lucas's status is going to be for next week yet. Uh, we want him to take as much time as he wants. Um, we have a, uh, an episode in mind if he's able to do it. If not, we've also got a backup plan. So both movies are going to be super cool. I'm kind of hoping we do the movie that you and I chose to do. Yeah. I actually just watched it this morning, and uh, I can't wait to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do it anyways and put the other one on the back burner. I mean, he, he can watch it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, keep an eye on our social media pages. Uh, you can find us on Facebook You can find us on Instagram, uh, Twitter. We're on Twitter as well. Um, you can shoot us an email at the couch potato podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll even e- email you what we're doing next week once we figure that out. So, uh, please check us out on that. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please give us a review on, uh, Apple podcast. So, you can help us uh, get found much faster for people that want to listen to a bunch of amateurs talk about movies and make horrible, horrible jokes. Um, if that's your wheelhouse or you know somebody do, does, please leave us a review so they can find us faster. So uh, until next week, that sounds funny saying that, uh, we will talk at you guys soon. Later, everybody. Bye. Uh-